0: How what are you going to do about it? Phone the police. Mate, we are the police. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Blethered. I'm Sean MacDonald and you're listening to episode 13 with my mate Frank McEwen. In this episode we discuss Frank's experiences as a prison officer in Berlini Prison in Glasgow and the cycle of offending that he sees with the prison being a bit of a revolving door for a lot of people. We talk about the cycle of addiction and what can be done to break that cycle for people, starting with viewing addiction as a mental health issue instead of the stigmatised criminal act that it's considered to be in the eyes of the law. Frank worked as a police officer to begin with and then he moved on to working with young offenders and vulnerable children in a sort of young offenders slash secure unit. Uh, we talked about that in real detail. For we talked about it at length, and we speak about how the majority of young people in these institutions come to find themselves there, and how they and society can benefit from, you know, people showing compassion, you know, where it's needed and understanding their lives and actions. It was really interesting, and Frank offers a terrific insight into that. Now, as is quite a recurring theme on this podcast, we speak about various aspects of modern life and mental health, uh, and. Our, our methods for dealing with our own wee issues and battles as we go through life. Frank's also get a great insight into that. If you enjoyed the episode with Martin Melly, then you will enjoy this. Uh, there's a lot of chat in here, so get yourself comfortable. Do whatever you're doing. Enjoy it. Gran. Roll yourself a massive joint. Get your feet up. It's time for another episode of your favourite podcast. So today I'm joined by my hero, my mate Frank McEwen. Frank, how you doing, mate? Michael, not bad, not bad. you very good. Thanks. Thanks for joining. But yeah, I'm just getting here, wasn't it? But you're that, here
2: now. That wasn't fun at all.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> a recurring theme. I need like they're somewhere less built up than the, the city centre of Glasgow and during rush hour.
2: I've never seen traffic like Ant-My-Puff. that in my puff I nearly flung my keys out and just <laughs> walked through the Kingston Bridge down here. That was unbelievable.
1: Uh, right, we'll just get started. So. Tell us, well, let's go back to the start, tell me a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what was life like growing up?
2: I grew up in Clyde Bank, I grew up in my old year. Um, her and my dad separated when I was pretty young, um, and she brought me up, grew up with her, and went through school, no kind of hassles, no surprises going through school, just kind of keep the doing going. on with football and music, and f- fighting. <laughs> <and> fighting, <man. laughs> Probably my my heat kicked in More than anything else <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it the wasn't it later years It was just <laughs> for your missus as well <laughs> <laughs> That's new um, Grew up after school Became a lifeguard um, And then after that Went the complete opposite way All the boys I grew up with They were on to There was gang fighting going on Your white group versus Joker All they kind of young teams And I out of the blue Decided to join the police and I say out of the blue It was something that I'd always wanted to do mm-hmm. But Still to this day, if somebody turns around and tells you they want to join the police, straight away. still they're seen as being some absolute nutcase. Really? Know, would you like to do that
1: for? But it was just something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, How did people respond to like, your pals? Because obviously if they're gang fighting and all that, which is obviously a very common thing but, in, in Glasgow, um, well back then anyway, maybe I don't know if it is now because I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm not particularly running about Springburn Golf Course but h- how do people react to that? I say gang fighting but it, it's back to that really pathetic Chasing gang fight literally
2: <laughs> stoned at the canal one side would run towards other, and the other side would run away and, you know, I remember going up to watch them one day because so I thought I wonder what this is like uh, I was the most heartbroken I've ever seen. I've got this thing at a football factory in my head, and I was, <laughs> it, was, it was pathetic, man. I just stood there my head, like I'm absolutely not missing anything here. Do you
1: ever notice, I don't know if any, this is for all listeners as well, when I was young, so for like 12 to 15, 16, everybody hung about in the streets. But you don't, and that's probably a good thing, but you don't ever tend to see that. I mean, does that, do you think that still happens? I don't think so. Me, me and my dad
2: spoke about that. And he kinda of hit the nail on the head. When was the last time you seen a couple of boys walking down the street with a ball? Aye, I know, aye. It's frightening. And yeah. I think the same as yourself, for that for that age group, you you went out with a ball, you you had street football teams, you had your boys' club, you had your school football team, and now it's kinda of evaporated. You don't even see like Boys or the Park playing copy and that I anywhere. Know. It's 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 a bit sad, I think. It's,
1: I know. That's what, I suppose that's just a societal thing, and to a degree, it's probably a decent thing stopping kids just hanging about in the streets and all that, and they've got everything. Because I just remember being younger, and you'd have your wee group, and you would kind of just walk from place to place, and as you went on your merry travels, you would encounter all sorts of other groups, <laughs> and you would see each other. And there's like, even now, like, so I'm for Rob Ro- I grew up in Rob Royston, Glendale, and we kind of hang about Bishop Bregs Rock and i in Rob Royston the very mention of getting into Bermolock or, or Milton, like, my blood would run cold. Like, I'd be like, nah, are you, are you mental? Right. Like, there was this, there's all, was this invisible boundary, this invisible barrier, Just maybe that that doesn't exist. Um, sorry, I've totally took it away in a mad tangent there, but so you, you joined the police anyway, and uh, we should do a Stacey Dooley, just before we go off it, I want to do a Stacey Dooley-type investigation into why we guys don't hang about Anywhere, so Aye. I'm going to pitch that to the BBC.
2: It's not even that at all, It's you hit a nail need like, Somebody put up something on Facebook, I think it was the other day, and it made me laugh. Like Remember the years you used to convince, you're not going die, you were away to your pulses? <laughs> she like you were lying in that field with a bottle of Mary
1: <laughs> down. Right, my mum listens to this. By the way, I actually can say, I, I didn't start drinking until I was like 17. It was one thing I never did. Was, I mean, I loved hanging about and all that, but I was old, I was really into football, whether it was fives, whether it was playing with my team, whether it was sevens. In the park I never I never drank but I did hang about um, aye do you think do you think they were actually that naive or do you think they knew but they just thought it's a wee bit of a rite of passes and just let you away with it I know for a fact that my mum always knew daft mm. and the reason that I know
2: my mum was knew daft was when we used to come in she used to pretty much check us out when we came in to see if she could smell alcohol after. so I searched us out pretty quickly and I used to always send my mate in first so she'd key him the doing and then forget about me <laughs> and then by the time I went in it was all she went away in a half and went to her bed and the only reason I at that now is because my daughter does that now nobody drink to them like that uh, I mean they're too young but if they've been out and they know they've went past their curfew aye. my youngest daughter sends the eldest one in first and she gets it after my <laughs> missus so by the time the wee-in comes in she just trots up upstairs
1: and away to bed I, I get quite a lot of leeway because like my mum I genuinely never did drink in the streets I, I kind of get away with Coming in late, I didn't like. Cause I, I probably was just away playing playing football and all that. But aye, so sorry for uh, anybody listening for taking that on a mad tangent. So we'll go back. So you joined the police. W- what age were you when you? I was only young.
2: I was only about well, youngish. I was about twenty two when I joined. Um, I was in for a grand total about four and a years. All right. Uh, covered areas like Bird Street, City Centre, part of the unit in Drumchapel, uh, and working in all kind of different areas. Looking back now, it, it was too much. Too young. Mm-hmm. Too much, there was too much power. I mean, I ended up being a fucking clown with it. No too, no lot like, of power tripping. But I genuinely thought I was like Martin Riggs or something. It was too much too soon. Um, Did you have like a holster for your mobile phone and all that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a covert harness. You know what I mean? for a mobile clipped to my waist. Um, no, but the guys when I joined, I had a really good tutor and um, he kind of took me under his wing when I joined and he kind of showed me how, how to not even just speak to people but like, when you were dealing with a young team how to deal with them mm-hmm. and the best example he always gave me was like, when I joined they were really big on pushing tickets onto people for street drinking urinating in the street all these breach of the peace all this kind of stuff
1: Is that a drive to make money? or to, to try and just curb antisocial behaviour Is by their definition?
2: with without Leaving myself wide open here to any kind of liability. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion, in air quotes, that was those in higher that were higher above mm-hmm. used to get a bonus, right, for tickets issued, right. So they would then send your other gaffers to then send you ah. to be motivated to send tickets. But I was lucky enough, as I said the boy that tutored me, he was coming towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. so he was buying the old school where you know, the young team used to get a slap around the back of the head and they knew what their was and they would go and speak to them. <laughs> so Andy kind of spoke to me and put made the point if you've got a group of young boys that are going to a house party, one of them's got an open bottle of bucky they're not causing any hassle, they're relatively in good spirits, and you're still having a laugh at them, you can prove who they are, you just don't get their names after them, have a chat with them, have a batter banner. If you then give this boy who's maybe unemployed a ticket for by then it was 60 quid. Mm-hmm. And, so he's already unemployed, he's obviously struggling for money. This is maybe his Friday night, it's a wee bit of getting out of his own skin to go and hang about with his pals. If you're then giving him a 60 quid fine, that's just adding more anxiety, just right. more pressure, more stress on this boy. So if that group was to go 100 yards down the road and see a stabbing, you know what And the chances are that you turn up and they're, they're going to be your witnesses. There is no way they're going to turn around and go... There's a police who just gave me a 60 quid fine. More than I'll give them a horn. they They're Aye. going to turn round and say, get fucked. Aye. He says, but as if you're a bit discreet you know, use your discretion, tell them to get a lid in the bottle, don't let me see it, up the road. Mm-hmm. If they see something, they're a hundred times likely to turn round and say you, This is what I saw.
1: It seems obvious, doesn't it, that common sense approach to, to policing because as you say as well, let's just say that absolutely ruins his night. Aye. He goes up the road, Finish he's to that party, finishes his bucky. He is absolutely raging. He's full of, he's full of booze and caffeine right. and somebody's getting that bottle right over the
2: nut. 100%. I mean, you've just added fuel to that fire. Mm-hmm. You've oh, just motivated him to go and commit crime. Or
1: you, could, you could put him in a good mood. He could maybe change his attitude and his perception to that authority.
2: Exactly. So you've just dictated what way that night could possibly mm-hmm. go. I mean, I'm not saying 100% that is how it's going to happen but to have that level of discretion I felt was so important and I think it's maybe lacking now because the wards stay in the market on the police it was more and more robotic guys that were coming in uh-huh. and no harm to them guys that maybe done well in school and went to uni and had all these kind of qualifications and diplomas but had never as we were talking about walked about the street with a ball uh-huh. you know what I mean they didn't have maybe the street knowledge that like, a, a lot of boys grew up with Aye. and I think that lacked in a lot of the guys when I left because they were just very robotic and very this is black, this is white, and this is mm-hmm. how we operate, there's no area.
1: No, having that experience, as you say, as well, could be so detrimental if they've, say, never been in the streets, they don't know what life is like living in their places. They might see something which is, I don't know, let's just say it could be a you know, a perfect example of, I don't know, somebody having a hard time, or you know, there's something else going on, they might not be able to pick that up or perceive that, so then they could just see that as, oh, that's criminal, mm-hmm. or that's antisocial, I mean, I'm not saying you know, every criminal act or whatever should be then aye. um sort of forensically analyse to find oh is there actually a wee thing that we can maybe cuddle them about and but I that's um that's kinda interesting point. It's something I've never actually really really considered that much. So you, you were in did that for about four and a half years. Did you become disillusioned with it? Like what made you want to go elsewhere?
2: No, um no, there's obviously a a full back story to it. Uh, why I left. But I, I became di- don't know dis- just disappointed, I think. Hmm. Um they very much, in my opinion, stopped looking after each other mm-hmm. and started looking out for themselves. Right. And that really, really disappointed me considering the job that you were doing, who you were dealing with, and some of the situations you were getting involved in. Um, some of them were pretty, he scared him What like? Um, we had a guy in Springburn one day, went down and it was just a, a routine stop, stand on the way the guy. And, Something's really stupid. I mean, it genuinely looked as if he was up to something mm-hmm. for a guy just on
1: in the street. Like walking like the just, Pink Panther just, or a big bastard or something. I mean,
2: honestly, that's all that was missing was the creepy music behind <laughs> like, him. And the guy that as I say, is, I keep going back to him, Matthew obviously, you he always look for the thing that's not meant to be there.
1: Yeah.
2: And this guy was, standing, was like remember, you used to get the action man soldiers, uh-huh. the dolls, and their eyes moved from side to side. That's <laughs> all yeah, he was doing. He was just staring bolt upright, looking side to side. So we got out of the car and Myself, my colleague at the time were we're talking about him, and uh, next minute he just he just kicked off. He went nuts, so my managed to restrain him, him going. But he kept he kept trying to go for the inside his jacket, mm. and I'm thinking it's obviously that knife or something. So he's pulled, you pull he pulls something big, and you're rolling about bit when you can't. He's through it, and you can hear the metallic clink as it landed. So you're thinking knife, screwdriver, just get something to so get him in the stand. This time everybody in their granny's turned up. Get him in the, the car, and as we we're, were dealing with myself and Wally at the time, we are saying, we need to try and figure out what that bitch he threw, he definitely threw something, because we are both looking, we are going, I definitely heard something landing when, when he flew So, looking about, looking about, and one of the boys that came down, kind of looked over a wall, and kind of seen the colour draining from him. And, I was like, is it? and he's like, you're, you're going to get um, the gaffers and that down here. And I, says, How? and I looked over the wall, and it was like one of those, Smith and Western six shooter guns the <laughs> silver one. And I just remember hinting to that time and like at any point he could have got there before us and got out and just shot you and it was we firearms down and he looked at it and it was fully loaded, ready to go, kinda thing. And you're in a split second, that could have been a totally different scenario.
1: It's something you don't consider that people who are because obviously there's varying attitudes towards the police. And that's maybe a, a discussion for another time, but Essentially as ordinary guys like yourself who, Who's going out and doing that That's job bad. every day And you, you're essentially at times Taking your life in, in your hands did, did, you, did you find out anything about that like, Did you have an intention to shoot you Or was you trying to just get rid of it in case I think he was trying to get rid of it In all honesty I,
2: My personal opinion He it was, it was part of a more organised crime mm-hmm. Kind of uh, scenario So I don't know if that was to be used on somebody Later on that day mm-hmm. I don't know if he was picking it up to hand it to somebody all I right. don't know But the, the full scenario where it was He ended up just getting done for being in possession of it um least sort of the usual stuff
3: mm-hmm.
2: So I, I don't know what his full intentions were When he went for it Or if he was just to get rid of it But the fact they had it they're ready to go And it was To be honest It was an option for him mm-hmm. you know I mean If this guy's known he's getting to jail Aye. And he's got nothing As we were talking about before If he's got nothing And he's getting got no opportunity in life
1: What's he got to lose? Aye What's he got to lose? Mm-hmm.
2: Take two balls at the game And get getting a set of high flats And that him
1: It's a We'll kind of come out of that In terms of the the social sort of conditions that can kind of cause that as well. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. Um, I mean, was there anything else any, anything that sort of sticks out, any mad stories or anything?
2: The, the stories that always stick out for me, and the ones that I take with me still to this day, and even working where I work now, is saving folk that have tried to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a big one that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, even though it. with one at Springburn Railway. Guy was missing, and he's, his message had phoned. And just uh, with my partner at the time clicked, they were saying, he's missing, he's, you know, he's really bad, he suffers depression, mm-hmm. he's left a note, um, saying X, Y and Z. And we're driving by and his description went out. And we'd spotted a guy with a tractor going down towards the train station. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just took the blue, put two and two together. And just by, ch- just by chance of ditching the motor and going there, we'd literally come within seconds, I'd throw shell in front of the train. (laughs) I mean, like, had to grab them and take them to the deck. And stuff like that, like, combined with the stuff that you go through. Sometimes you sit at night and you just sit in a dark room and you think, how does it get to that point? Uh You know, it's unbelievable how it can physically
1: get to that point. You think that that's your best option? Why? That's... I know, that's... I don't think people realise often as well how often that happens. uh, Is it? I think it's true. It doesn't even get reported in the media every time unless it's a sort of exceptional circumstance. Aye. Otherwise, they'd be reporting it every day. Aye, there, there was a, there was a,
2: a period where people that were doing stuff like were getting jailed for a breach of the peace and going to court
1: for for trying to throw themselves. Right. So that. So I want to ask that question then. And we'll, we'll, so that's, I'm glad you said that. Was there or is there a standard procedure or duty of care for when somebody does that, or are they just treated for like? Tresspa- a Scotland, right. do will get trespassing laws in Scotland I
2: No, what you mean um, the gaffers I work with sure would always keep them as a measure of safety mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily reported on the breach of the peace so we might be keeping them but take them to the hospital right. and stay with them whilst a the doctor checks them mm-hmm. the whole time they're trying to get a hold of the family to let them know where they are if they want to come up and see them and stuff like that but I, I do know there was circumstances before we'd get taken right. back for a breach that's if for no other reason to try and keep them in a place of safety, which is a bit detrimental because if you get somebody who's just tried to kill themselves, mm-hmm. and then you're putting them in a tiny wee stone cell, Aye. that's hardly saying here's a big cuddle. I know, you know what I mean. Which used to have found mind boggling.
1: I appreciate there's got to be some element of procedure and all that, but at the same time, I that's uh, almost adding fuel to the fire. I'd be hoping that it would be something that would be preventative or that it would be look. Will help you. Mm-hmm. Maybe they. I'm not saying the police will be the best, but it's like look, like, there's got to be maybe, maybe there is. But by this point, but you would you would like to think or hope that there would be a procedure of like, here who we're going to pass you on. To. Like there should Aye. be that communication because, you know, it's like somebody trying to. I'm going to pick my words carefully here in case this is insensitive to anybody but let's just say somebody tried to douse themselves in petrol and set them fire and doing them for willful, f- willful fire raising. <laughs> you're like mate that I isn't I it, is not it's fucking happening here I know. like he was not trying to steal it and for the track <laughs> I think I think just to, to be
2: clear on it as well for them to listen <coughs> I think they make the point as well that even though these people were getting lifted for a breach of the peace mm-hmm. it was not so that they went to court and went to jail or anything like that uh-huh. it was show that if they went to court they could then be under a court order uh huh to seek mental health, right? Okay, help. Right, whether it be counselling or something right. So they were, they had to then go through the channels, uh-huh. because no. Again, I'm trying to pick my words carefully. You can't just have people throwing themselves on the M eight and stuff like that. Aye. You know what I mean? You you need to try and help people. Um, I walked up the M eight once, and uh, they,
1: the police went. Mental <laughs>
2: hey. I had a mate that tried to jog up sea for the Erskine Bridge Aye. He jogged early the Erskine Bridge Fucking And up. thought I will crack ends here so I'll just stop Nah wait. if I keep going here I'll, I'll just I'll be at the side of the road I'll be fine And he got left <laughs> And brought back to the house People we were only about 17 <laughs> And he took back And I remember his dad going Ah he's a nut He's like, wait. He's like I-, I thought if i just jog down the side of the road That'd be alright
1: so For me it was um, Celebrating 2017 Celtic won the Scottish Cup final. And uh, for everybody that saw me that day will know that I was a wee bit worse for wear as the night went on and I tried to get up the road, right, and my battery died on my phone and I'd lost my bank card, so I had no money, no card, no phone, couldn't get anybody. So I thought, this sounds shocking, right, and I bet you, oh, maybe I shouldn't even admit to this. <laughs> Basically, I had no idea how I was get up the road and I wasn't thinking clearly, so I thought, if I walk up the hard shoulder... Surely the police will come and just take me up the road. <laughs> sure, sure, sure enough, right? They did. By the way, my stepdad was raging. He was so angry. He didn't even listen to this, so you won't know. If my mum will tell. Him. But basically, I walked up and I won't repeat. Right, he was quite entitled to say what he said. The police officer, but I shot myself. And I thought he was going. To, I thought he was going to actually knock me out, and then he took me in and he just pure shouted at me and. Uh, Eventually but we ended up getting on really well And they they, they, must, they asked me on my name, my details, searches on me Nothing up, no warrants, like, no convictions, no nothing And uh, they dropped me up the road But we ended up kind of hitting it off And I think they were all Celtic fans And they walked me right up to my door, gave me a hug and all that And they said right, see you later see, that, that's, that's disc- that was really good policing
2: Aye, that's the discretion that I'm talking about Like you, you've got a young boy, you can see he's of weight, He does reasons I <laughs> Walking up the motorway Is probably not the, the best way Of bringing attention to <laughs> I suppose But By just taking you up the road Making sure you're Who you are You're safe and well We all
1: go They were fantastic And they end up They were laughing And they end up But he wanted to give me A proper dressing down Aye. And I was like But I was away Way up the grass verge like, I was not in he's like Shut up And stop trying to justify this They got me up the road Anyway make <laughs> 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 you see what you're talking about
2: <laughs> I was thinking About this time then I actually blame Celtic for like I've we'll go on to mental health but I have been suffering since I was about 17 <laughs> but see recently we, I, I was I personally was quite happy when Brendan Nodgers left oh see because
1: he has I constant I... success my lover's taken a tanking. aye oh, aye after um, I was in hiding for about 4 days after the, the game the other day it's, it's funny at time but you're like I'm I'm going to pay for this aye um, aye Celtic being good is bad for your health
2: I got in at I went out at 8 o'clock in the morning for that last game on Sunday and or the the Sailing Angel game uh, and I started out in the house about half nine the Monday did you? and I forgot the schools were off so not only was my missus not talking to me she was quite happy to just keep sending the reins up to boot the door <laughs> <laughs> just lying there staring at the ceiling thinking I've made that massive error here
1: aye aye that was me I can't even remember if I try and remember. oh aye my night, my night finished about eleven at night in Aguil Street while Gate McDonald's and I looked in my bank and I had three separate transactions in the space of 15 minutes for like £6 each time I, I must have just kept going up for food and like, an Uber charge for like £23 as well and I'm like where did I go that guy just seen me coming didn't he okay. um, so you've well that's what I was going to ask positive points where we've been in the place you know what, what, what were the sort of were there anything that you thought, this is really rewarding, like, I'm glad I'm doing this job?
2: Aye. Similar to what I'm doing now, it, it, it will sound really wank, and but but it is to see the opportunity to take really bad bastards off the street. Mm-hmm. That was why I done it. And Aye. that's why I still do what I do now. Because there there is bad fuckers out there that will just probably never get their hands on. Mm-hmm. But every now and again, you used to get a or somebody who just didn't belong on the street. Not in society? Aye. Just evil, nay qualms about hurting people, Aye. or how they, hurt, how they hurt them, or what um, effect it would have on the family of the people they hurt. Um, to take guys like that off the street, whether it be kicking and screaming, or willfully, I used to hear him at night after that, and think that's why you do it. Makes that's why it you worthwhile.
1: do the job. So you decided to move on for that? Did you go directly to your current position?
2: No, I went to, I actually went to Kibble over in Paisley.
1: Right, okay. And I worked
2: with Young Offenders for a couple of years.
1: My, uh, so my mum trained as a teacher. Right. And after just a few years, she started working in schools for kids with additional support needs. And she then went on to teach in Young Offenders institutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, She taught in Low Moss in Berlin. Right. (laughs) Um, And she, I mean, she now works in uh, a school near you. I'm not going to say it but a school, a school near you, we'll talk about it later. Um, and she, I, so she's always worked in these sort of thing, mate. So I've got a wee bit of, I'm making this about me. Um, and I think she might have worked in Kibble as well, cos she worked in... Uh, well, well, cause she
2: probably worked in Kibble Education. She worked care. in mul-
1: multiple, uh, multiple young offenders units, anyway, Aye. and secure units, like, you know, the schools and stuff. Um, so I... Te- sorry, tell me about that. <laughs> no, just it
2: was... It was, it was probably one of the best things I've ever done personally and professionally mm-hmm. because having worked in the police at that point you were always turning up to things maybe a step behind what had just happened yeah whereas when I went to Kibble, I was getting to then see the big picture and you we were talking earlier on about you know, the social circumstances this, this was a lot more family circumstances
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I was dealing with boys from age 12 to the day before their 18th birthday when they would go to Pullman mhm some of them were in for kind of just constant, um, constant habitual offending. Mm-hmm. Some of them were in for some pretty serious stuff, um, some murders, things like that. And it was, it was quite sad because you would do some work with these guys or these kids, and you would think, "How am I not getting through this, boy? How's this? Why is this not resonating?" And then you would go to a children's hearing, and you would see the family, uh-huh. and the penny would drop the father would be sitting there kind of half cut the mother would be sitting there clear up for the night of four just sitting looking for a fight with somebody Aye. and you've got the boy sitting there just be seed bowed as if to say this is what I grew up with uh-huh. and you're just sitting and you're, you're genuinely just wanting to give them a cuddle mm-hmm. and you're like These, and you're wanting to shout at them because you're thinking you, you are the reason this, this has happened
1: mm-hmm. The they play the
2: blame game but.
1: and I bet you if you were to be able to go back in time you would likely see a simpler scenario in which the mother and father were once their son. And it's...
2: the um, opposite I
1: think that's something I've learned, because my mum's my very, very passionate about her work, and I'd always listen to her just speaking to people and talking about things. And um, what I've kind of... Something I've seen is that there's a very high proportion of people who are offending for a young age. It isn't necessarily because they're born pure, for want of a better term, bad wee bastards. It's, you know, they're a product of an environment. Um, and this isn't making excuses for things, but it's an explanation. You know, a product of environment, environment, um, you know, it's it's lashing out. You know, life has been terribly, horrendously unfair to them. A lot of abuse victims, would that be another thing that would be quite prevalent?
2: That was one of the, the scariest things i have ever dealt with, mm-hmm. or, or I'd never come across, and to sit and read it in front of me. There was a, a young boy who... Who had come to the attention of the services because it began mutilating animals, which if you go and read any textbook S- in the world,
1: serial killer,
3: thing is, in
1: it. yeah,
2: it's straight away that's so they obviously started digging that, digging on it, and as they, they dug deeper and deeper and deeper, they found out that this wee boy had been abused his whole life mm. to the point, and this this is where it starts getting a bit grim. The police took over at that point and done a proper investigation and through whatever methods they had to use, whatever interviews, it turned out that this boy's mother had been arranging to meet up with paedophiles. They would, she would allow them to abuse him in order to have a relationship oh with him. Oh, my them. God. And this is why this wee boy was now with the mentality. And it, it's a long-winded way to prove that the prey then becomes the predator mm-hmm. if it's not cautious enough, and I think sadly, exactly, I think that wee boy was. I don't, I don't, I physically don't know how you would mentally recover from that
1: if you ever could. I don't know if you ever could because the one person who's meant to protect you at all There's costs. And that, I mean, that's obviously an isolated example, but it's maybe something for us to consider. You know when. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. That's kind of just knocked me for six a wee bit here. And I've heard a lot of stories like that over the years right. as well. Never with any details. My mum's always been very professional and very, um, you know, no, no specific details would ever come out. But you'd hear about these things and it's. I'm sure anybody listening as well will maybe start to think, fucking hell. You think back to maybe people you went to school with that acted out. Exactly. I mean, is it likely that every year has got somebody who's just a bit mental? Aye, probably. But also. <laughs> There's another element to, like, what are they going up the road to? Aye. You know, the people who maybe got it got it tight at school for not being well-dressed or for being a bit unkempt and unclean. I kinda, it, it makes you think, you know, not that I gave everybody a hard time, I absolutely did not, uh, but it makes you think, what What were they going through? What was their life? What was their home, their sanctuary like? So that that must have been as tough as it was. It must have been equally rewarding when you are able to positively impact somebody in there.
2: Aye! yeah it was um, there was a wee boy in there and obviously they they of ask somebody you know to prisons and stuff like that they, they get their allowance every week they Aye. can save it up they can spend it whatever they want um, and this wee guy was desperate for I'm trying to think what year it would have been it was a, a Man United top mm-hmm. that he wanted it was a white one he wanted it in long sleeves we looked online all the companies that they used in order to purchase stuff um, couldn't get it anywhere, couldn't get it in his size so I, I kind of said to, to my gaffer at the time like, if I can go out and find this and, and get him work, and well, can will we sort the money out and he just said aye, like, if, if it's possible um, because I knew that I'd seen it at the time mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was like JJB or something like that it? Uh, and I managed to go and get it one day before What? and I took it in and you genuinely thought I'd just wanted that wee boy a cheque for 10 million quid aye. and the difference in his Persona, his attitude, his output—you know—it went through being somebody who was quite disruptive, um, constant, aggressive, loads of trigger points. Um, it just kind of the real main point there. But that was a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Like we would, you would be sitting in a—it was it was a big living room at the time um, with the kids, and all of a sudden, one would just kick off, go mental, just straight away. You're going through. Sitting having a laugh and a joke with a couple of kids to having to restrain one. Mm-hmm. Kind of figure out, and it was, again, when I started going to delve, delve into it and what was the psychosis for it, what was what's the psychology behind us here? What, what was it? And the trigger point could be something simply as the theme tune to Coronation State. Because that would be the time of night that their abuser would be abusing them. Uh, and they would hear that theme tune straight away go back to that association. And straight away that just kick off to whoever they were talking to. So you would have kids like that and even just going in and honing this wee boy, a football top, he's paid for it with his own money, mm-hmm. it's his money. But we just physically couldn't get him at this point. Mm-hmm. But to go and show that you were willing to go and try and get him, something that we maybe struggling to get that to make time make a difference to a wee boy. Aye. And the difference that it made to him was Because that's
1: maybe if somebody if some wee kid has grown up with in a in a very malevolent atmosphere. Mm-hmm you know, with just sinister influences in their life all the time, and then somebody comes in and shows that wee bit of kindness, that's something that could really then have a knock-on effect, that sort of ripple effect, through their life. Right.
2: I mean, you, you think this is probably a wee boy who, you know, his feathers, idea they giving him a present, there's maybe you no know, jabbing him in the eye one night, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And then right. if somebody come in and go out their way before work and bring them something... Uh-huh. And again, it says it's, it's not a present because he bought it himself, with his own money. Aye, but, you, but
1: he'll know that you've went out your way to get to make that happen. You could have easily read that, sorry. And um, I mean maybe it. his perception of the world would be that no favours, no niceness, you know, it's a tough, unforgiving
2: place. Aye. And the of, that was a kind of sad part. The amount of wee boys, again, between 12 and 17, and that was our outlook. You know, fuck the world, the world's a bad place, bad Aye. things happen to folk, just go on, mate. The world's think? bad
1: to me, I'll be bad back. Aye. And then again, Prey becomes a off. That's, um, and, and that's human nature. Mm-hmm. See if you're driving and everybody's pissing you off and uh, somebody cuts in front of you, somebody doesn't like you in, somebody's taking forever, you might then be so raging at drivers that you'd it to somebody. Sure, um,
2: I've, I've done it three times driving
1: in. The day. <laughs> <laughs> Just, there's cans embedded in the back of folks' motors because <laughs> of that it shows maybe, I don't know.
2: Bro, by hating workies at the side of the
1: road, just <laughs> shooting abuse at guys, doing a job. You know, it's understanding, then maybe goes a long way. And it, it, for a very small scale to a very large scale, if somebody behaves in a way that is, do you know, it's not very pleasing to you, mm. there is most likely some sort of cause, cause and effect in it. I- 100%. So you, you were working there then, then where did you go from there? Was that then on to Berlin? I took about a time out um,
2: with a young girl uh, that we were working with. Uh, again, I say we, there was other folk working uh-huh. closely where I was. And the thought that we, they were making a lot of headways She seemed really positive. Bright, charismatic, young lassie. World of head wanted to be a hairdresser. And then we came in for work one morning and She'd, you know, she'd killed herself um, trying not to go into too much details in case uh-huh. I let slip uh-huh. and I watched the effect I, I became very cold and cynical and I hate myself for it because of the past 10-15 years of what I've done mm-hmm. um, dealing with people that have finally went through it, you have to be very cold and very cut off for it, mm-hmm. and even in my work just now, you come across it and you, just, you have to just you know, throw the shutters down and just deal with it as, um as a process uh-huh. rather than dealing with them as a person. It mm-hmm. It's very cool, very black-hearted, but one of my close friends at the time, he, he was working close with her, and he thought he was making a lot of headway with him, and he was mapping my and he was. Aye. But trying to point out to him, she'd made that decision. Because the point he tried to get across was the night before it happened. She was in great spirits. She was saying how you know, this was... A great night she had, and you know she was fortunate that she, she got to you know be around these, all these workers' companies, and mm-hmm. she appreciated them all. And I was starting to explain that's probably because she's made a decision that's been on her shoulders for a long time. Yeah, she's chose that that's going to happen, so she was allowing herself that last couple of hours to be free.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe felt some sort of burden was already taken off her shoulders.
2: It's lifted from her shoulders, and she got to spend. And the point I tried to make to him was the solace that you can take is that in her last years, she got to enjoy it Aye. kind of thing. So after that, I kind of I needed to take a bit of time out just that line of work. I think my uh, my second daughter had just arrived, and I felt that all I could, all I had done for almost like, nine years or something at that mm-hmm. point I was dealt with a lot of misery, uh-huh. and a lot of negativity. So I took time out to work in the gym, and. That was when I kind of started working more one-to-one with people that were suffering from mental health, um, depression, anxiety. Um, and that was the, that. was when I really started to realise, like, obviously, as I said before, I'd been suffering from it. And I hadn't really realised until I'd done my training for working in a gym mm-hmm. the real positives between health and fitness and mental health. Mm-hmm. And... End up getting a real budget. I worked with guys that were really overweight, really self-conscious, really embarrassed. To take them from one place, and then have them working in a massive class of thirty people, to the point where they had the confidence to walk out in that class and do it and be buzzing nice. and encourage each other. And I actually had one wee guy that I worked with, wee eh, Gary, and he's on Twitter, so you'll know who I'm talking about. And he went for somebody who used to just come in he'd be asked Matt to be asthma-treating inhaler. Used to just go on and just plod away in the tr- the, tre- the, the cross trainer. I used to say, "How are you know much nothing about? You know about weights? How you no- I know? I don't know." And he went for some deal like that. Took him into the classes, got him working the classes, and I always laugh because <laughs> he ended up turning around to this guy one day who was about six foot four, um, just absolutely shredded. And the guy was like blowing his ass at this point in the class, <laughs> and me guy thought, "No, we, kind of to him, we like why get the fucking finger out and move on?" <laughs> it's <like laughs> fucking quality, man. It's like <laughs> a,
1: probably so that has obviously developed some level of confidence in him that oh, like you previously when you have had probably, mate. It's
2: probably there; it just needed to be dragged out. Uh-huh. um And because of where I worked in that gym, it was a it was kind of partly with an occupational health part as well. Right. So we did get a lot of people who were off work due to mental health and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they were coming in and working with them. And even it's something as simple as teaching them breathing exercises, mm-hmm. I think I heard you saying it with Melly when you were talking about counting.
1: In terms of getting your body and mind training. in sync with each other, oh, aye. In terms of I so for me, I found that it's been it's very meditational, uh, meditative. Um, even just doing my reps, like counting my reps, and it's all I'm thinking about. Literally in my head, I'm counting. I, I count backwards, um, so that to make sure I'm getting them all done, and it just takes me out of my thoughts. But when I came out of the gym I said to Melia, I was like This is why I'm absolutely ripped and solid Now I'm <laughs> It's a joke Before anybody gets fucking annoyed pure People getting so upset recently About things I've seen uh, No it, it completely takes Out my, of my, my mind And no matter how I feel When I walk into the gym When I walk out My mind is just total silence It's, uh, it's not for everybody And it's not to say that go and do some weights and some bench press, and there you go, ta-da, all your problems are solved, <laughs> send me a check in the post, Sc- uh, Scottish executive, get me in, I'll create a programme. No, but I mean, it is it is one of many incremental changes or uh, practices you can implement in your life that certainly will, whether it's walking, whether it's running, whether it's doing weights, whether it's sit-ups or whatever, um, because essentially you can only really concentrate on that. I mean, obviously your abs are in fire, that's all you're thinking about and it gives you essentially for me it pauses my mind
2: it's the euphoria after that, I always feel with training aye absolutely I mean if you really want to take it to a scientific point of view your, your body when you're suffering from depression any kind of anxieties your body's flooding itself with negative hormones mm-hmm. you're countering that when you're training by flooding it with happy hormones uh-huh. so these happy hormones are raising your just your, your mindset your attitude how you're feeling? So when you daily, you're absolutely buzzing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when you explain that to people, and again, they're breathing because a lot, a lot of the people of they panic attack, is the breathing part. Of it. folks f- suddenly forget to breathe, and the folks still do it when you see them training. They hold their breath on their way. and they weight It's friends of life at me. I will breathe. Mate, p- take a breath. But what there that was that was kind of that was brilliant for for what my guys like this. Mm-hmm. Having suffered it for such a long time, by then. I, I didn't know what it was. You know, I just thought I was mental. I thought I'd lost the block when I was 17.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: To then go full circle and be able to start helping guys that are going through the same thing Aye. or similar um, was brilliant, man.
1: It must have alleviated a lot, because you said you worked under misery and, and sort of stress and all that, and, and sort of, I don't want to say depressing, as I that would be somewhat disrespectful, but you know what I mean? Aye. Aye. Um,
2: very, very few folk phone the police or. So, send her being to
1: get for like good news. Aye, I mean, that, that was the way I was. So, doing, didn't but it? that you know? in the gym, then must have did it off. Did it give you a certain perspective? Because what I'm kind of wondering is, you, you've had the tough time, sort of a bit stressed out, depressed, somewhat for for how taxing emotionally taxing your work was. But then you've went and almost immediately after worked in the gym, you seen the positive impact you can have. I think that prepared you then moving forward in your career to know that to know the realities but know there are other ways that you can influence change and positive improvement in people?
2: Aye, definitely. Um as I say, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing have been working a step backwards and to be able to take somebody who was suffering and work closely with them one to one and physically just preempt what we can do to try and fix this uh. and give them stuff to go and listen to, like uh, Joe Rogan. Joe is brilliant for it and I'm not even just like some of his podcasts recently have been a bit I've not listened to aye. but there's been a few guys on that that are amazing
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and there's even like, a motivational video that Joe Rogan's got and it's, it's more martial arts based and stuff like that but it's brilliant aye. you know what I mean some motivational clips like that there's another guy um, Eric Thomas the hip hop preacher I've seen him aye. he's outstanding um, if I'm starting to hit a funk or I'm starting to go down I can feel the parachute coming out Mm. that's what I go straight on to whether it be that the the classic and my missus will will talk about it is if she knows that I'm starting to take a dip and I'm starting to go down and you can see me starting to recoil for the world Mm -hmm. into the room it's oasis fucking in the bushes and it's like full crank just to try and raise the adrenaline to try and combat the bad adrenal gland that's kicking in to Mm. cause the panic to try and flood it with a positive adrenaline to get the arse up to get out to go and do something rather than all. You
1: know what I mean? Aye, I get you. Uh, right, let's talk a wee bit about Yeah, uh, Was it just a straightforward fake and say come up you decided to apply for it or was it, how did it come about?
2: Aye, it was something that I'd looked in. Um, working in the gym was brilliant but it wasn't something that I wanted to do for my full career.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'd always went into it knowing that it was only going to be a stopgap. There was stuff that I'd looked at and in terms of in terms of what I'd done in the past and as we spoke about before I'd always enjoyed I'd always enjoyed trying to make a difference as in working with certain things, certain types of people Hi. Um, I took a confidence in that that I could stand in front of a certain type of people and talk to them and they can say whatever they like and throw all the threats that they want but it'll, it just kind of doesn't resonate I don't take a game with me Aye. And so I seen last night that, that one about being flung about like an empty trackie that's my favourite put down ever I love that and it's got to the point now that they all hate it because if anybody says time mean, I burst out laughing straight away so I think that's amazing like, there's 65 year old guys and 23 year old guys all using it that has stood the test of time a universal
1: of just handed down
2: probably like a baton for generation to generation <laughs> amazing man so I, I knew uh, but just by fate one of the boys that came out of the gym uh, worked in Berlin, mm-hmm. and I get talking to him about it. And again, there was a few options I was looking at. And he said, "Do oh, you know apply for that?" And he spoke to me about the job, and I'd been in and done a bit about research about it. And my message at the time and said, "Do you know fancy going to work in a prison? Like you work with young offenders. Do you know fancy going to work with the, uh-huh. you know, the field And I applied for it, and you know, st- stayed away. It, it wasn't an easy process. Like I went through everything no bar, but there was a Scottish government cut off when it came to funding. Mm-hmm. So, my application kind of ran out and then I had to go through it again. Um, but I was just making sure that it was pretty straightforward to go through the second
1: time, straight in. So, what's, what's a typical day like for you and work? <laughs> I know, let's just say uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the exchanges and interactions <laughs> with the uh, with the residents a wee bit later, but in terms of your processes now. I
2: think it? that's that's probably, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. The best part about it is that there isn't a typical day. Mm-hmm. There is literally one day you could go in. And it'll be eerily calm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Everybody will be dead nice to each other. And you're, you're like, something's coming here.
1: Aye.
3: Something, calm before the oh, storm. Aye.
2: There's something on the verge of breaking here. Uh, and there's days you can come in and it's just wall we wall, alarms all over the place and fights. And it's, I'm actually smiling when I'm saying it. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy that world. You've got to go aye. in there knowing that behind that wall, it's a completely different world for everything you've ever experienced in your
1: life. I just had a wee bit of flashback to something my mum said. Every time we'd go to McDonald's, you know how sometimes there'll be a wee beep and it's to signal that the chips need to be brought up, And it goes, beep, so a wee gentle beep. And my mum would be like, a Vietnam War veteran staring into the distance as she just had these flashbacks. And I, I remember <laughs> saying, i have like, why are you always like this when we come in here? And she said that if that noise went off, it meant that shit was going down, whether in the Young Offenders Institute <laughs> or the, like the... Secure out of the prison, and just this gentle wee beep, and she said straight away that her mind just went to that place that madness is absolutely kicking off.
2: Aye, it's we've got new things now that she'll be talking about the old salt, uh, the old alarms system that used to be alarms on the wall, right? And if it was getting off the alarm, the wall would get hit, and it would like flash, a lot of beeping noise. Now it's kind of like a, it's a bit like a pager. You wear clip to right? Okay. Um, and it, go, it, it, sh, it, shrill, it shrills when it goes off it's like a high pitched uh, beep that just keeps vibrating and it'll come up the location at the instant. Right. it you doesn't see. say what's happening so that's the other kind of side of it like, you literally can be dealing with something sitting down a bad and that'll come up and it's all hands on deck right. and that's one of the when they done the whole Ross Kemp thing I thought it was a bit hmm. personally I thought it was a bit of wanky, did you beat like. him? Eh? Did you meet him? Very, very briefly, when he was nearly his nine bodyguards or whatever. <laughs> it's, honestly. It's, I don't even know why I talk about him, that's how much he annoyed me. Right. Um, but the thing that they didn't show that disappointed me was, you can be standing in Berlin and you can look around about you, and the place can be look deserted. Mm-hmm. See, within one press of that button, you can have officers looking as if they've just came out the drainpipes, came, came out of the walls, came out of the stanks. <laughs> it, honestly, you see it on camera, it's, it's one of the best things you'll ever see. Suddenly you have going from having nobody there to about 40 officers at mm-hmm. an instant because folk just abandon stuff and go to it. Because as I said, you don't know what you're going to It'll Just come up location, where it is, and it can be a fight, it can be something more serious, but you're going to it because at the end of the day, all you've got in your head is one of your colleagues is in trouble right. and you have to get there. That's it. And that's when the old adrenaline starts pumping. So, I, there isn't a where I work in in, in the prison, I work in an area that folk come into when they've been to court, they'll come in and they'll be processed. Right. right? And then they'll go to their halls. And if they're leaving, they'll come in, they'll be processed and leave. So, it's kind of like the central hub of the prison for them to enter or exit the establishment. So, through that, you get to meet. Every single person that you can imagine, every personality, every mindset, every gripe that they've got, every Mm. argument that they want to have, you're the first person that's going to get it.
1: Is that in the forefront of your mind that, you know, what we spoke about, what are they coming for, what's happened to them? Do you you consider that if you're getting pelters or if anybody's raging? You know, are you thinking there is a reason? Are you a wee bit, no easier on them, but does that influence your engagement with them? To be totally honest and, and to be upfront and a hundred percent, probably
2: at that point in time, no. You have just got to do your job. Aye, because it's so busy. There's so many bodies coming through, mm-hmm. um, and you do it. This is where this is where this is where it becomes really kind of the professional. He has to go in. You have to identify somebody who's struggling, to somebody who's just been an asshole. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Somebody who's just trying to manipulate. One of my pet heads is four that's those and kicked doors. That, that, that's nails in a chopper to me. See if somebody asks you for something and you say, give me two wee minutes, I'll get back to you. Deal <coughs> dealing with something. And mm-hmm. in 30 seconds they're starting to kick in a door. That, that, the, the red mist starts descending nah. there because I'm like, you're starting to try to manipulate me now. Aye. My wings don't do this.
1: Maybe the art of diplomacy is lost on some people.
2: <laughs> 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 you're not getting this big you kick out door, that two minutes has just been added. <laughs> don't do that but no it's more so when they would go to the halls or when you're interviewing them in regards to coming out of the establishment mm-hmm. um, you have guys that and it's, that again this we need to be totally professional there's, there's guys that come in and they'll be all bravado they're wanting to fight with you. they're wanting to do this they're wanting everybody run about them to see that they want to fight Aye. and you're looking at them and thinking you don't want to fight at all and the minute they get into that room that's when they break down Mm. and it's more so it's more so guys that have it's really really sad now there's, there's a, I don't know if it's, if it's becoming more common or I'm just more privy it now there's more and more guys coming through now that have never been in trouble in their life being out in Glasgow
3: mm-hmm.
2: getting in an argument with somebody hit them once and killed them stone deed that's
1: uh, that, uh, that's a very scary a very scary thing is it? it's it um, if ever there's a reason to to walk away aye because obviously there's a Glasgow attitude you don't aye. walk a square go or nothing you don't walk away you don't leave I'm saying I'm saying that as if I'm a pure bare knuckle boxer <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I certainly don't mean that but Sean I, mean, Fury. I I know I know I just
2: mean the general no. I'm a lover right for no, the I benefit of the tape Sean shadow boxing when he says <laughs> that
1: fuck you, fuck you. no but the uh, aye that that is uh, such a scary thing you hit somebody once they slip by the head. That that's you you're going down for murder aye.
2: That uh, I don't I don't see it as a guy who as um, an angel when he's out I'm fucking far from it mm-hmm. you know what I mean especially if I'm out with my missus she she kind of spots the, the the red Frank descending <laughs> you know that we were talking about earlier about the transmit gig and stuff like that right. she, she can support that stuff coming on pretty pretty quickly but to think that that, that one moment can change somebody's life. Aye. Upside down, inside out
1: Just leave it, it Not all, aye, their, their lives, the lives of their families exactly. you, eh, That's that's a scary thing see, So where you're working You see people coming in and out
3: mm-hmm.
1: Is it a revolving door for some people? Aye, aye or, it's, is, Are they trapped in a circle? Not only, are, not only
2: are they trapped Back to what we were talking about earlier on About their families I'm now starting to deal with A lot of boys That I dealt with at Kibble are all starting to come through now.
1: It's like the graduation process.
2: I, they've literally... It's a, it's a graduation for young offenders to pull into the big house, Berlin.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's not like, they right, have achieved this now or go, they're out and they're back in again. They're out and they're back in again. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? You see them coming in and the amount of times I've sat with boys and that's my exact words, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you back in here?
1: Do you have any recurring general explanations or reasoning? Do you know, did they... A lot of them will
2: be just having grown up in violence.
1: Just that's They've, all they they've grew
2: up and they've watched. They've watched the old boy batter them all. Mm-hmm. They've watched the old boy go down the pub and fight in the pub. They've watched the old boy come back up for the pub and leather them. And Aye. they think, well, if I'm not happy about eating, oh, and it, need and
1: do just batter a guy. That's their method of of communication. Aye. Because uh, I remember, so well, I went to school. I went to to Turnbull High, and it was an absolute fucking jungle. It was like. <laughs> If if you didn't have a wee bit of wits about you, you get getting alive, right? And I well I I was like one of the last years, and so we had everybody for, for just for everywhere, in the north of Glasgow, in the northeast. And uh, there was boys in my year, and I, I remember thinking like never never really with me. But just if they had a disagreement, see within a split second, they just crack something. and I always would be like, What the fuck? Like surely that's your last resort. And and I also used to think, What a fucking prick. But see as I've got older and, and having conversations like these, I'm realising that that was that was what they saw. something in bro. Aye, it's totally ingrained in them, and it's just that's how they communicate. Uh, you know, the guy uh, Loki. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, I heard him speaking about it, and Russell Brand uh, under the skin, and it was absolutely, it really stopped, made me, me think, and it was like that is how they would communicate. Some other people may uh, express or communicate anger through being pure shouting and aggressive and animated. Some may do it very diplomatically and through conversation. I'd say I'm probably somewhere in the middle of it. And then others, it's just they communicate through violence. Um, so as you say, that 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 environment and that home life and you know their upbringing, it's just shaped them. And although they have to take some responsibility for their actions, there's maybe society's letting them down mm-hmm. in a wee bit by you not know, stepping in quickly enough or not spotting mm-hmm. signs. So it's like, we're not going to have the answers here, I'm afraid. Um, it's quite obvious. But it's like, the question is then, Where? how can we step in better as a society or as a country? Or? I don't,
3: don't know what the answers are. but
2: in, You know, it can go either way. I mean, we're using violence as an example. But you then get the addiction route mm. because you've got guys that grow up in the exact same household that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but have maybe not get the alphaness about them that they want to go out and cause fights. Uh-huh. So instead, they withdraw and resort to drug abuse to try and escape this life that they've built up. Aye. So you then have guys that are in for, you know, misuse of drugs act, having drugs on them, selling drugs or whatever. M- more having drugs or selling drugs is more your organised crimes kind of guys. Mm-hmm. But they're taking drugs, and then they come out of the establishment. And it, it's sad, but, you know, there's still access to, to drugs mm-hmm. within the jail. I mean, there was you know, an incident not that long ago that the, the, the news covered um, where a couple of my colleagues were injured, you know what I mean? And I see injured, but they put back to their work the very next, the very next day. But you know, I mean, that that was all because of, um, it was all drug-related. Um, so you've got guys that are coming in. They're then going through their sentence. They're leaving. They're no they're not going out there to try and better themselves to start again to hit the reset button Mm -hmm. to find a job to settle down they're going back out there and thinking how do I go and get Mm gear they've no money or no enough money for what they're looking for so they then turn to crime so they then turn to crime and 90% of them are the master fucking criminals (laughs) you know what I mean there's no doctor evils, there's no guy sitting with a f***ing catty lap stroke and think, how can I get a million quid here? There's guys that are going out of their shoplifting, and they're resorting to, to robbery or you know, such in order to get funds, in order to score. And they're getting caught. And they're getting brought back in.
1: And it's just one big circle. I feel like, and I'm by no means an expert on this, but I feel like addiction and addiction issues... Or maybe the one aspect of mental health issues that we dismiss or don't take seriously, because it's a mental health issue, isn't it? Yes, yes. I mean, you, you, you'd be hoping that there would be, instead of just, you know, person commits crime, caught with drugs, jail. Gets back out, commits crime, caught with drugs, jail. I think the common denominator seems to be drugs. Something that we spoke about before as well, and i spoke about with other people, is that often the, the root cause of people taking heroin... I mean, there will be people who have woke up right and went... Do you know what, darling? I fancy a bit of fucking heroin today. Right? Mate, there will be, but aye, the, I, the not, majority. Aye. See what you've just said there. I had
2: friends that went to a private school, mm-hmm. and I remember them sitting and telling me one day about a guy who was sitting. There and that what you've just said there. It was like that's Corona. It's not really hitting the spot. I couldn't really fancy a bit of heroin. That's
1: something more, aye. You're sitting stealing in the pub. What are uh, you remember? You just fucking said. I know. There's, there's obviously there's that. I would say a large number. They've they've resorted to it for some reason, usually and as an escapism of reality. That's what, is, it. what is the harshest or the the heaviest escape we can get? So you would hope that then there would be maybe there is, but you would like to think that there's um, right. Okay, Rob, uh, you, you've been on here about forty times for the same thing every time. Let's let's address that. That route, causing. I think it should be treated as a mental health issue. Look at countries like Portugal, Aye. where they've decriminalised drug use and they're actually treating it as a medical or a mental health issue. And I think their crime rates are absolutely plummeting. You know, for what they used to be in those those things. I mean, what is? Is there a rehabilitative programs within the jail?
2: Aye, now you've got some really. One of my close friends, she's a, an addiction um, health assistant, mm-hmm. um, and she's been brilliant explaining to me the addiction process and what you tend to find with a majority of addiction is the root cause of it, and you just say that a minute ago, is escape. Mm-hmm. Now, you can find, you can go through the whole thing, and I'm talking drugs, alcohol, gambling. Aye. Somebody goes and gambles, what, what they want to do? They looking to win big. What do mm-hmm. they want to win big for? So they've got money. What they want to do with money? Go and do things that they maybe can't do. i
1: tell you what, by the way, I won't go into this, because I I'll constantly say this when I talk about it in my I got <laughs> I'm not an expert, here's my disclaimer again, I'm not an expert but I've got somebody who I would describe as a personal expert in his gambling issues, he'll be coming on uh, he'll be coming on the podcast soon to talk about it and he explained to me something that I've never heard, he was saying that for addicts, for some addicts or for him, gambling became something that his brain, so he's like, There's, see the part of my brain that tells me that I need uh, water and oxygen in order to survive, his brain tells him he needs gambling mm-hmm. and he was explaining so we were talking about a Louis Theroux show and he's like there's a guy who he was 80 grand up and he gambled it all away and walked away with nothing and he said to me it's not about the money it's about the hit that he gets from when he places the bet that thrill, uh, that thrill. and uh, that w- that made me kind of go fuck Aye. so he- he's got I'm really looking forward to having him on hope um, he's listening actually if you're listening I won't say his name yet but you know who I'm talking about uh, let's get that sorted out soon and um, I saw that again that is a mental health issue that's yeah. not a you know a compulsion of trying to, try to win money or you know as I say like you know a fucking quite fancy bit of heroin today James like it's, it's so it should it should be treated that way I mean it's not nice is it when you see I don't I hate to say this word but see that see the junkies damn fucking junkies you're like that's not nice aye that's not nice the good
2: thing is yeah I mean I- I would say about 99% of the folk I'm colleagues with are all brilliant mm-hmm. and especially see your older boys Aye. that been in the job you know 15 to 20 to 30 years they're about they're, they're similar to you. they're like the phrase junkie uh-huh. Uh kinda, you see, you see folk, jarring isn't it? you see folks saying that and you can see how we twitch kind of not like that Aye. because we're working with them so often that's, that's somebody that's suffering mm-hmm. somebody that's trying to escape something so, we might not be able to fix it completely, but if you can dig, dig, dig deep and find what they're trying to escape fate and show them that it's maybe not that bad that mm-hmm. they have to take something.
1: Let's try and resolve it at the root. Resolve
2: it at the root rather than just sending these guys back out. You know, as you said, you got the nail need to do the Scottish government thing, sending these guys to prison for <laughs> the crime that they've committed in order to score. Right, fair enough. See when they get out, where's where's the process? when they get out mm-hmm. I mean we, we've got it through care officers that assist getting you know when the guys get out setting up their benefits setting up job setting up flats but that can only go so far
3: mm-hmm.
2: so where's the counselling sessions to continue these guys development when they come mm-hmm. out to continue to get them back on the right path I mean there's guys that go out and end up coming back in as counsellors you know to really? alcoholics yeah. anonymous drugs anonymous cocaine anonymous and it's brilliant to see that uh-huh. but you're thinking the, you know, the numbers here should be a lot lot higher the
3: there order. obviously
1: has to be a willingness on okay. the part of the, the subject aye. the addict aye. or whatever um, and it's a whole you can lead the horse to water and you can't make it drink because there are people whose kind of rebuttal to that is I well hunters and them don't want it and it's like right aye that okay but you can't just then say well because know, some people don't want to, to seek the help that then the help then shouldn't be available um, it's always a very complex discussion and they want with a lot of nuance and there's also a lot of experts that know far more than than I would, but that's just how I see it. Um there was something else I wanted to ask you and my mind has gone totally blank. I I mean it's quite a heavy chat, so any light hearted tales for the for the jail? Uh, there, there will be some. Uh, just- I've totally sprung that on you there, no, it's, uh, light-hearted <laughs> is there any uh, light hearted anecdotes you remember from that house of um, <laughs> steel gates <laughs> where addiction and grief is rife yeah, <laughs>
2: There will be some, something will flag up, we'll move on if I hang it, will come back but There's got to be something, because some, uh, some of the some of their put-downs and some of their slaggings are absolutely old I can imagine and the I part, says, I, oh, I,
1: I don't oh. think i would last five minutes like in, uh, in Berlin, that's just stating the fucking obvious but Chris, McQue-
2: Chris McQueer was oh
1: there. shit right yes so pal of yours <laughs> Ryan, Chris Hi. McQueer tell us about leather this is this is one of the most fascinating things ever <laughs> I never knew about this until I read it and I was <laughs> like Jesus Christ oh my god I can't believe that take it away Um it was back
2: when that fud uh, Trump and his pal were on South Korea. I'm <laughs> going to see that fud Chris McQueer. <laughs> I will get on to him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any started,
1: that prick.
2: <laughs> so, he, they were having their wee tiff on Twitter and all that, and I think I'd put out the tweet saying...
1: So, Trump and Kim Jong-un? Aye,
2: aye, no Trump and McQueer. So, they were having their wee tiff <laughs> t- <laughs> on Twitter and that. I just put out a tweet saying they can act as hard as they want on Twitter towards each other but let's face it you'd fucking level the two of them wouldn't you like, you wouldn't <laughs> see the two of them stand in front you going to the bathroom for a fucking beer and Chris messaged me and he was like mate I've had an idea for a story he's, he's like it's just all I'm based around is I schemed a uh, bat Trump and Kim Jong Un he's like do you mind if I if I use it and I was like I'm hey, and then it, it kind of started gathering pace a bit and I was like do you mind if I use you got number?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. See any problem with that, and it just snowballed from there. And then next, next, I hadn't heard anything from him, like we're talking away, and he never mentioned it. And then one day he wrote, he sent me a message, he says, "Um, I've got my first draft here of a story. I'm going, What story? He's like, The the man with you're a prison guard, and you go over to fight with uh, a prison officer, he says, and you go over to fight with um, Kim Jong Un. I was like, What? And he sent me the the first guy, and I was just sitting howling. It's uh, hilarious, isn't it? Unbelievable
1: because, like, the premise of the story is that you tweet. Saying you would smash Kim Jong Un in the North Korean, <laughs> the North Korean dissident rebels <laughs> basically think that you're a symbol of the resistance against the <laughs> dictatorial regime of North, uh, North Korea,
2: rather than a baloney simpleton. <laughs> simple <laughs> now you get that wee fucking that wee fud Paul You don't you see how did you ever see the pictures he drew for it? Oh,
1: I've not seen them.
2: The illustration? No. As i will see the next time I'm in that boys company <laughs> is he
1: drawing you? Is he drawing you back? Is it actually meant to look like you?
2: Uh it's it's kind of halfway in between. these that His are that brilliant. my missus was she was fucking howling for ages at it. She's like, Cause "It generally looks like you."
1: Mm. That was hilarious. Bro, Paul, you're in trouble, mate. <laughs> he's pure good at fighting, so you better stay in Dundee.
2: Exclaim ex boy.
1: Does it? Is anybody in the prison read it? Didn't know about it.
2: Aye, aye I've got. I've had a few folk that have come up to me and been like. Do you know a guy called Chris? And I'm like, I know what's coming from. <laughs> Chris McQueen, and I'm like, I vaguely remember the name. Oh, no, that's what I wanted to go on to. Did you ever read the follow story Don't you? No.
1: He'd
2: the one about being in Twitter jail.
1: Oh, aye, aye, I read like, that, aye. Like,
2: that, that story nearly hit me my fucking head kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> <Not right. laughs> I, by chance, used one of my gaffer's names when I was talking to him one day. Right. right? And it turned out this gaffer's got a fucking cracking name. Right. You, if you read the book, you'll, you'll spot it straight away. And Chris wrote this story and used my gaffer's name. Oh, no. Right, as the governor of HMB Berlin, oh, which he's no. So I turned up to the gym one day, and this gaffer's like, oh, you, you fucking wee dick me not this to you. I'm like, <laughs> I, I fucking know, this guy's like six foot four. And I was so like, oh, no. To quickly rack my brain saying, what have I done? done uh, right. I'm quickly thinking I lie before he even puts me in the spot here. He's like, who's this boy, Chris McQueen?" And I'm going... I've read that story. That leather. That doesn't mention him. I don't know why would he be annoyed at that. He's like, he's just, he says, one of my pals has just sent me a link for this Twitter jail story. And I'm going, <gasps> oh, no. He's like, fucking X my name and it. But he was, he was he was, actually fucking laughing at it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, that's brilliant. He's like, I've had all my pals messaged me. You've you been getting a promotion, big man.
1: That's hilarious. I was
2: like, I messaged her. Like, he's like, I never even thought of that. He's like, you put something in the internet, of course it's going to get back. I know, through. it's
1: always going to, it always gets back eventually.
2: <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, man. And that's
1: hilarious. So, um, do you, you see that for you? Is, is that where you want to be working longer term? Is, are you getting any other plans for yourself? Can no, you, uh, I I,
2: I'm. I'm relatively happy where I'm at just now. Maybe there about a career progression. Maybe as the years go on, in different departments and stuff. i like with different people. I, mm-hmm. I'd like to work more one to one. We're talking about guys, mm-hmm. just, with guys that are suffering and stuff like that. Um, especially more towards the more mental health kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd like to try and work on separating or trying to separate those who are genuinely struggling with mental health uh-huh. and those who are using it as an excuse to be an arsehole. Right. Because that's something that we've got as well just now. Mm. And it's trying to separate that that's the biggest problem. Because you, when you start going down that lane, that's when you start missing the guys that really, really need your help. Uh-huh. The guys that are more likely to do something to themselves or harm themselves are the guys that you hear nothing about. I mean, I'd spoke to you around about Christmas time. We did a few instances. Um, we did a wee guy who, a wee old boy, was neither up nor down, pleasant wee guy, in for some kind of petty stuff. Mm-hmm. Walked away a cane, all that kind of stuff. And I think it was just around really the festive season, he, um, he'd harmed himself in a pretty serious manner. To, right. to try and kill himself. Okay. But because of the quick reactions they would manage to keep him, you yeah. know, and one of the big boys I what with. In my opinion, he kept that man alive. But mm-hmm. like he that man's is alive tonight because of Big Mick. That's I don't care what MD says.
1: Mick, you're a legend. Aye, he's he,
2: honestly the, that man is walking today because of his him quickly like that not even thinking, not even dangerous. just quickly actions, getting in there and dealing with it. Acting. Um if he had not had the just the assertiveness to get in there and get hands on and deal with it as quick as what he you did, you'd have been reading about it in the papers. Um, and we had an arboy, and again, to go fucking really dark, but it's to try and show like how far these people will go when it comes to mental health. Like, we the guy that set himself on fire and himself, he, <laughs> he set his cell, his cell as in his place of residence, <laughs> and himself on fire. Um, and like, we turn up and, and the smoke bellowing out from the same. The
1: like we hell. can't open
2: the door at this point because aye. you're then risking a whole hall going explosion. Up. Aye. So you're having to, again. You're trying to piece. You're to talk to this guy. You've got the hose and the bone, You're trying to engulf the place in water, but calling a thing. So there's only so much leverage you can get on the hose. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, <laughs> I was laugh before it goes quite a lot darker. But the fire service turned up. <laughs> and they walk, walked in with like the full gear on, like the helmets, the respirators, the big fucking flame retardant jackets, <laughs> and they looked through the hatch and literally turned around and went, "Are ah, the flames under that bad? You just can go in." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't have a white shirt. Uh, 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 bomb, uh, uh, hey, I two said, minutes. You're a fucking clown. I uh, know. I was stuck on some factor thirty and bouncing. He
2: says Cheers, mate. Sounds like hum-
1: uh. humour is probably something you must need Huffty, to get through your days.
2: Half day of that kind of dark humour about you to just to switch off mm-hmm. because the minute we owned that door he then turned from a guy who'd just done that to himself to want to fight with us mm. so you're then it sounds absolutely fucking hard as nails and just, you're then restraining a guy whose, sin, whose skin is still like absolutely burnt to a <sighs> who's now wanting to fight with you and you're trying to, you know restrain him to stop hurting yourself, no what your colleagues and I remember lying on the deck at that point like literally breathing fumes off this guy and uh,
1: thinking
2: to myself what the fuck am I that's
1: doing like that. Freeze screen, freeze screen record scratch. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> you're probably wondering how I got here.
2: That's <laughs> it. I was lying there and I was like, just, the Well, place, the place was soaked. Like, we're lying in water because we've we, got we to get the hose in. And, lying and I'm like, What the fuck am I doing here, man? Like, how did it get to this point?
1: Take it, he's not allowed deodorant in it Hits <laughs> to see, does he have to take <laughs> roll on.
3: Uh,
2: all, the, all the scented candles were taken out that man's room. Man, <laughs> that. Like no incense in that man's room. And you're like, fucking, and again, that was all of the mental health part. and there was a bit of manipulation that uh, that was used there with uh, him but I think to, to even get to that point where that's a consideration of I'm going to just douse myself here and set myself on uh, fire like,
1: there's something there see, what I've taken for this whole conversation is compassion is probably required more than we realise mm-hmm. you know you see somebody acting out in a certain way even if somebody's been a bit of a prick see if somebody's giving you I don't know Pilots are a bit of an arsehole team. Maybe we ought to stop. Maybe I need to... stop. so I'm talking about myself. If anybody else sees herself in this, cool. Maybe we need to stop and think before reacting. Why has somebody done that? Why has somebody said that? Whether it's a wee small, innocuous, trivial thing, like not holding a... Because see, if somebody doesn't hold a door on for me, oh, or if I hold a door on they the door say, say thanks. thanks, mate, I'm a wee... Arsehole, I'm like, you're welcome! Because <laughs> it annoys me. It's absolutely malevolent. I might walk behind uh, them and clip
3: their heels. Aye, I mean, but then
1: maybe, like, poor guys probably get something in his meat. But some people are arseholes, aye, right?
3: Aye, that's a nice aye, point.
1: Do you know what? You're not going to make the world a no. worse place by giving somebody the benefit of the doubt.
2: You and Melly were talking about it, and that, that was possibly one of the best podcast I, I messaged mainly after it um, to kind of to skip and go into the mental health. Care. I felt as if Melly was repeating back to me uh-huh. my own life.
1: Ah, uh, he was it was brilliant.
2: And I actually get quite upset when I was listening to it because you you think to yourself, you sit there and you think, Why do I feel like this? Why mm. do I feel so shit? Why how why is this happening to me? And then you think you hear other people and you think, Well, at least I'm not alone. Yeah. But then you hear somebody like Melly and you think that's ah, a fucking crank cunt. Uh, I mean you, I you love would love never a lovely guy. Agree. And there's Why? Why is it fucking hitting somebody like that? You know what I mean? And
1: it's. I feel like I don't know. There's a lot of things for me personally. I've felt that way or along those lines uh, a lot of times. Well, not always, infrequently enough for me to feel lucky and to feel fortunate. But I feel like maybe in this day and age, we feel like life is supposed to feel great all the time, Mm. and when life doesn't feel great all the time. It then feels terrible, and we have these weed dips, and and there's obviously a lot of things that will contribute to that. Um, we've spoken about social media, comparison culture, uh, and the fact that everybody is portraying, you know, or acting it that, that life is great at all times. So then we just feel, oh my god, I feel so low. Because why should I feel this way? And what I've started to realise is that life has highs and lows, and without the highs, you're never going to uh, sorry without the lows, you never truly will appreciate. You know, how they highs feel or how good they are and it's it's actually a good thing. And and that's another thing that we've always got problems, we've all got problems. Mm-hmm. People like I was reading this in a book the other day, Warren Buffett's got money problems and a guy who's about to go bankrupt has got money problems. they're, they're varying and, and you solve one problem and go into another and right. maybe that's that's life and for that solving these problems and getting through these issues is is where comes your personal growth. I bet you could look at any issue or any problem or any absolute shitstorm that was going through your life and if it's passed and it's gone I bet you could pinpoint and, and uh, bullet point all the things that, that you've then taken for that and how their lessons have helped so maybe we should try and come into the understanding that problems aren't necessarily bad not dealing with problems uh, or not facing up to them and it then creates this cycle I, think, I know it's different for everybody I'm only explaining my personal experience that's kind of thinking what Melly did by Opening up not speaking about that is having people realise that you can outwardly seem like everything's fine, like life is great, and, and inwardly it really isn't. It. Um,
2: Somebody put up a crying picture the other day, and it it, it kind of summed depression up for me. And I, I just in a nutshell, and it was a picture you've probably seen it—the lassie with the the mask and the mask smiling, uh, and she's crying behind the mask. Aye, and that that's why depression, anxiety, and all these mental health disorders—that's why they're so dangerous. Aye, because on the output, everything's rosy. Aye. But inside, you are absolutely crumbling.
1: Very sadly, um, I don't mean to be insensitive if any his pals are listening. I, I'm going to say his name, but I read last night, a, a young boy took his life it's in the paper. I don't know the details, but I could hazard a guess. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's Groundhog Day, it's all the time. It's it's so easy, and, and I know pe- people do say it with the best intent. I'm not digging anybody out at all so please don't misinterpret is it we're saying like it's okay not to be okay and to talk well that is it is okay not to be okay and do you know what it's very common mm. not to be okay Aye. Um, i think people feel i've felt this way right? so i'll give my experience again for that there's times when i've felt as if i'm falling behind in life mm. or as if people are further ahead than me or you know i'm nowhere I, in the past where i'm like i'm nowhere i should be or i should i should have attained more material wealth that's fucking ridiculous that doesn't mean anything but I I don't have these stuff oh no and then I start to feel like oh no the walls are closing in a wee ah. bit this mount, everybody's away higher up this mountain than me and it's like how will I ever get there and I just wonder if sometimes people go I never will and that is when that mindset of well what's the point yeah. of, of, of continuing this pure battle um,
2: for me it was um, and again not know you kind of repeat everything that Melly hit on because yeah, was probably like, the initial the, I remember my very first ever attack panic attack and I was to say, I, I genuinely thought I was mental I thought a screw had come out uh-huh. and my mind had just started falling out the back <laughs> you know, I, mean, I thought I was losing the the plot completely felt as if somebody had tied an invisible noose around in my neck and it, they just placed a piano on top of my chest couldn't breathe just felt constricted and then that spiralled because I didn't again didn't deal with that because I was too young at the time to uh-huh. know what it was Re, re, um, just totally recoiled into myself into my room, all I wanted today do was break the door shut and just be left to fucking die, that, that was it, that was all I wanted
1: How 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 do you deal with that now, like what, if, if that happens to you if it was, what would you do?
2: Owning it, owning it was a massive thing mm-hmm. See, like, to, to go from one extent to, to the other, owning it was huge and education, educating myself and, and to, to spot the signs and I'm quite lucky that I've got you know, good family, my message, uh-huh. that can spot it straight away. Um, they, they spot it, as we the slumps. If I'm, There's some, I mean, with the jobs that I've done, the job that I do, I feel that I've been using, like, a mental debit card. You know what I mean? Uh-huh.
1: Um, you're going to overdrawn.
2: Aye, and there's some I just cannot get of my fucking bed in the morning. Because I just lie and I think, I fucking can't get up. And there's nights I come home and I just sit in a dark room, and I'm just like, I am absolutely fucking done. Like, I, You're I, a
1: good example of the, the necessity for self-care, are you, like, and taking that time out to recharge yourself? Aye.
2: I, um, I, I just fucking, just like, I, I, can't, I can't keep doing this. Like, there's only so long you can mentally keep attacking this, this wall in front of you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But by educating myself and spotting the trigger starting to come on, that's the same. Like, if I feel that it's coming on, get the music amped up, get to the gyms up. a big, big thing. That's, uh-huh. If I'm training and if I'm in a good runner training, I'm feeling good, I'm the best person in the world. If I let the slump go on too much, after you and I have talked bevying, is the worst thing in the world for it that because is. you wake up with the fear, you can name no motivation to train, you're, you feel too ill to lift your head half a pillar.
1: you need junk food.
2: Junk food, so you're getting all that sugar into your body, all all those empty calories, just there's any goodness going into the body, mm-hmm. that's when the demons start whispering. Aye. That's when they all start gathering round the wee campfire and start putting the wee negative seeds of doubt. And Chile Sonnen, the um the fighter, he he had a couple of cracking interviews and he summed it up best. It's like little, little droplets of poison that go into like if your mind's kinda of like a lake mm-hmm. filled with all this good, pure water this anxiety and depression is like little droplets of poison that get in, and the more you let it fester, without dealing with it, uh-huh. it's just going to spread through that lake, and you can't get up out of bed, you can't do anything self-doubt and negative talk will just keep you going even further mm-hmm. and I can say that now as somebody who's who's had the suicidal thoughts considered it went through to the point of how I would go about doing it and only thing that kept me alive was my mum at the time because she spotted it straight away. Mm-hmm. She'd been through it with my nana and stuff, so she'd spotted straight away that she twigged that something had changed. The only thing I'd done different from Ellie was I've never spoke to like, a counsellor, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, I spoke to family and friends, and you know, but the hardest part was we live in a culture where folk just turn around and go, Ugh, it's just you're alright or they'll turn around and say oh don't worry about it oh fuck aye thanks that's um, that's me right. there
1: you go see I always sort of apply the analogy that if I turned up somewhere with my leg snapped in three places (laughs) (laughs) and somebody went like that now you could argue that um, that sort of mental um, what do you say like being a wee bit dehabilitated. I don't know, what's the word? Destabilized mentally? I don't know, sorry, I went a a bit blank there. But that is somewhat far worse and more dangerous than having your leg snapped in three places. Just before you went if I look at that, I did break my leg in two places, right? Did you? Eh? And Mama telled me to get up that I
2: just sprained it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that's the kind of woman I, I grew up. with. Right, aye. With me. Aye. Just tell me, I just got up, you just sprained your leg find. on me.
1: That's true though, you know, and if so if anybody ever does feel um, no, right mentally think how complex and uh, and how powerful your brain is aye. what do you call a brain a muscle or an organ an organ an organ um, a muscle organ aye uh, so you think how how complex and how sensitive that is that is no different to I believe to any physical ailment in terms of needing treatment and needing care mm-hmm. um, you know and, and it's just as susceptible to Infection, if we want to call it that, as you know, as your physical system is, you wake up for, with the flu, you're going to take um, what do you call that stuff? Fuck, what's that stuff in the packet and you put it in, you put water in? Lime sip. Right. You, you know, you take that or you take ibuprofen or whatever, you'll treat it, and it's the same with the mind. Why why then wouldn't you treat your mind? Whether it's your own wee home remedy of. Aye. Uh, you know, nice food and chilling, or going to the gym, or, or what, whatever it is to make you feel better, or medication or professional help. It's you know, it's the exact same.
3: It's
2: hard as well, I think we're going to be the first generation that have finally admitted that this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I look at my dad's generation when I speak to my dad, they came through a generation where they played football, went to the pub went to work
1: and then no time for this
2: went to football training. that's it none of this buffy boy yeah. mentality <laughs> I mean yeah, a bunch of birthdays but that was their mentality they were working men they got on with it and you probably find a lot of them are suffering for it. but they don't want to turn around because they did not want to be seen as that that's you know, he's got that heat issue thing, yeah. or he's got he's get the depression
3: you know what I mean
1: and I wonder, I wonder I dare say was it somewhat not easy but easier back then when you felt that way to know, then open your phone and see someday in the Maldives oh. and somebody showing on your Rolex and like is that you know you feel sh- they felt shite and they went they probably would go um, oh well, well that's just life yeah. uh, if that happens but then nowadays and especially with young people who've never known anything different they open their phone and it will be um, as we see all these things of people having a great life and they're right. like fucking hell it's happening at home and it's. It'll just be, you're the only one, you're the only one, everybody else is fine, everybody else is great. It's not really the reality, which we know that, but we're still fucking susceptible to it when we see it.
2: And that's the frightening thing as well. Like, like, again, I've got a close friend of mine, and her daughter is going through it just now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and it haunts me because I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you just want to hear a big cuddle and tell her, you can't let it win. Aye. you cannot let them win. You need to fight this to to your last moment. You need to Aye. keep going. Do not give in. Do not let it win. Do not give up. Keep going. And then that's it as well. As I was saying to, to my pal, and I was I was saying to her about it. And the the problem is, and you fucking need needed These kids are going on to social media, and their sixteen year old counterparts here in America are doing stuff like that. Are fucking putting up pictures of Rolexes and wads of cash and big flash houses and fuck off. You know what I mean? Fuck off. I know. And they've no a fucking personality between any of them. I mean, <laughs> do, do, um, Von Doon put something up last night and he, he see that amount of guys now that are single and they're messaging like lasses and it can be totally something innocuous. Like they've tried to have a bit of patter Oh aye, I saw this, aye. Fight. And all these flashes went to date is screenshot it and just totally throw them under the tracks. On to get
1: a few likes and that dopamine hit.
2: And you're like, how fucking loads a my cunt do you need to be to do that something? Like,
1: I've seen a few of them and I thought, what the fuck did the guy say wrong
2: here? Fucking, <laughs> I'm the same. I looked at that and I am I'm, I'm so glad I'm not single now because I'd caught a fucking quits. I, I
1: fucking, if, um,
2: my partner shit at the best of times so try oh to fucking I. be
1: single and have part. I know, I, no, I if, I, if I was, in a, I certainly wouldn't be going on anything like that through oh, pure fear of I'm going to get absolutely ripped apart <laughs> for saying I, hello. I, look, look at this fucking prick, you know. I, get like, this
2: clown said hello twice. I know,
1: <laughs> I <think laughs> fucking done it I
2: the first <laughs> time. Fucking chill out. But it's either it's constant it comparison, and it's like they do actually, they do actually being, instead of being in competition with themselves, the result to open that phone. Now, don't get me right, I've got pros and cons on social media, you you know, he's hurt the nail, and my phone it can be a crutch, uh-huh. right? You can see me sometimes just sitting on my phone on my phone. And it is just a crutch that I can go on and there's folk there that I can talk to. Mm-hmm. So it can be about anything in general. It can be about a lot of shite. But it's, there's somebody there, 90% of the time, uh-huh. that you can have a quick chat with and go on with Aye. The downside of that is you get these wee fucking dicks on there. That just want to bring other folk down,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you think it, it's just so easy. Just like, don't be a dick, like, you've absolutely no idea what, what battles somebody's got going internally without you going to hey, air a fucking bit of petrol in that campfire. Aye. <laughs> I mean, Aye. it's like, fucking, don't be a dick. Um, we can all go on, we can all have a bat of battle, we all wind each other up, but but there is a line, and these folk just seem determined to go fucking right, really happy. I mean, you hit the need. These wee fucking knobs that hide behind accounts with cartoon profile pictures and anonymous accounts.
1: A picture of Scott Brown.
2: Aye. If you're actually that fucking white, you would have your picture up so you can identify who you are. Aye. So you're
1: not that hard, you're not that white. So what you're saying is because I've got my picture on Twitter so if I get cheeky of anybody I'm actually the hardest man in Glasgow because you know that they find me well in fairness you, your picture's also on my Tinder profile <laughs> <laughs> so was you
2: please don't tell me what it was myself, I say, I, they, don't, they don't rat in their own informal Um,
1: there was something I was going to say there ah oh, shit what was that? oh I. that's what it was that Melly, Melly said something really good in the last one he said you know What you say to somebody in person or online could either be the thing that makes them take action to help themselves, to better themselves, to look after themselves, to feel better, Mm -hmm. or it could be the thing that tips them over the edge think about that and um, I've held my hands up and said I've I've said things and I'm like ah shouldn't I said that but you know you live and learn
2: throw away comments aye you,
1: you know live and I mean? learn like, I'm, trying my, I, I'm trying my best um, open forum is there anything else you want to pick up or touch on we've covered quite a lot you asked for a
2: a good story yes a funny one finally
1: mm-hmm. had a boy uh,
2: and it was a young offender mm-hmm. uh, they'd get a hold of the film Bronson with Tom Hardy <laughs> right okay right. well that's
1: brilliant inspiration for the it? Right. this wee guy
2: he got in he said that he was going to smash up his cell and he got in he said that all he had to do when we went in with him was cover his cell and some sort of lubricant and we wouldn't be able to get a hold of him
1: like in a cartoon where you're trying to grab him but he's slipping out of there right. well you watch Bronson like he, car- does. he put a spoiler
2: right. over his cell and the, gar- you know, the officers kind of got a hold of him so this wee, this wee boys came up with this ingenious plan he smashed up if age come in here but he's just realised at this point now that he's not got any shower gel or anything like that (laughs) to cover his cell in so he's obviously had to think what's the next best thing so we went like open the door and I'm going "What's that that's smell I was was like shut the door a minute and the boys like we need to go and deal with this shut the door a minute he'd found a a tube of deep heat oh my god covered his entire body in deep heat on in the buff, covered his entire body in deep heat, and thought we were going to end up. So, moving on the door, I was like, Give him five minutes. <laughs> I was like, What going to do? Go I said, Give him five minutes. And the shouts went for if you come in here, you're going to Help! Help! <laughs> I need a bath of ice. <laughs> he was rolling about in the flare, man. I was like, You silly wee dick, man.
1: Absolutely roasted. We you just open that door And it just smelt Like an amateur Football changing room Mate that's
2: exactly yeah. What it felt I have fl- the to mate. Somebody put a living in a side <laughs> <to> I <live>? spent <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a bit
1: With a tape his socks And I went in Brilliant you- uh, um, So anything else Is that are you happy with oh, it I suppose the conclusion is Don't be a dick Just be nice to people You don't know what's happening Is that mate Don't be a dick Cheers for coming mate Thank you for having me on my man
0: through a party in the county jail The prison band was there they began to wail The band was jumping and the joint began to swing You should have heard the knocked out jailbird sing Let
3: rock, everybody let it rock Everybody in old cell block Was dancing
0: to the jail out of rock Spider Murphy played the in saxophone Little Joe was blowing on the slide drum
3: Do the Jailhouse Rock. Number forty-seven,
0: said the number three. You're the cutest jailbird I ever did see. I sure would be delighted with your pumping knee. Come on and do the Jailhouse Rock it'll be better rock. Everybody let it
3: rock. Everybody on the Put that.
0: Shift the Henry said the books for heaven's sake. The ones looking out a chance to make a break. Like to turn the shift to said setting's nickname.